Okay, so um, I want to start with some show and tell if you didn't hear that. So um, I have here some things that really interest me, okay? So this, first of all, is a snorkel, all right? It's a snorkel, and it's a unique snorkel in that it's made for um, swimming. Um, not just swimming and looking at fish, but swimming in the pool. And if you're training, and you can note that you put it on your head, and it's really weird, and it's going to be a mess, but I won't do it. But it comes right off your head so that you can work on your body roll. So I use this every day. I'm a swimmer, swim coach, right? That's a snorkel. Okay, second thing that I'm really, um, I'm not great at this, but it's kind of fun for me. This thing, uh, my wife and I'll call it the lawnmower. what it is, it's a cooking apparatus. You have this really sharp blade. I've cut myself on it before, but you put things in here like onions and peppers. And um, I am a fan of chopping, but sometimes I want it to go quick and you put it in there and just diced, all right? And the last thing I have for you is, is very unique. Um, and you may or may not have ever seen these things before, but here in my hands, I have these two little, what are these things? Uh, these are polytrials, polytrials. And so these are not uh, shims that you put under your furniture. I am a, a medical sales rep, okay? And so we do orthopedics. And these trials will be used by an orthopedic surgeon to see how much, uh, how much insert the, the patient needs for a knee replacement. So very unique uh, item here. And uh, there's a story that comes with these a little bit. But each one of these things has been uniquely created for a very unique purpose, right? They can be used in in funny ways and strange ways, but when they fit with how and why they've been created, it's it's pretty special, all right? Last week, we talked about the song, What Was I Made For? Billie Eilish's song. And I think the title of that song really resonates with me, maybe with you, because it's a question that... I think all of us wonder, what were we made for? And I think to get at the answer to that question, we need to realize how it is we are made and who it is we really are. And so in Genesis, this very beautiful, I think it's a piece of poetry here. In chapter one, it tells us what happened and I think why it happened in terms of the how things happened. I mean, that's very debated. But here in our text, we see this beautiful poem. And and I think something that's very telling of the poem is the refrain we hear with every day uh, that's going on. For example, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness over the surface of the deep. And then he created light. And then what happened after that? Where are you? God saw that it was good. It was a setup. (laughs) Every day, and so here's a little secret for you. That word good, it's tov, tov. Now, I'm going to share something very special to me, to not only myself, to me and a bunch of my friends. Uh, Years ago, many years ago, before many of you were even born, I took a group of kids to Crooked Creek Camp in Colorado. It's a Young Life camp. And the speaker there, Mike Ash Ashburn, got up, and he talked about this very special refrain that every day, Corbin, what did God say? He saw that it was? He saw that it was good. And that word for good is what? Tov. And after the second day, God saw that it was tov. After the third day, God saw that it was tov. And then we get to your fourth and fifth and sixth day, everything slows way down. The most time in this 
beautiful poem is given to the sixth day. And there we read, so God created man in his own image and in the image of God, he created them male and female, he created them. And what did God say in verse, uh, where is it, 31? And God saw everything he had made and behold, it was very good. It was tov mayod. Mayod is the word for very. It was tov mayod. Meaning because he created men and women and that day, those people, those human beings created in the image of God. It was not just tov, it was tov mayod. And I can remember Ash up there as he only could just, yeah, I really was excited to hear that. And those, not really a Hebrew word, drop a Hebrew word here on your type of preacher, but those words for some reason just have stuck with me for many, many years. Tov mayod. So as we, what that tells me and what I hope it tells you when we think about the question, what were we made for? We need to realize as Pat so beautifully preached last week that we as images of God have incredible value in worth. And as we think about that, we have a disconnect, right? There's a disconnect. Because we think about what were we made for. I'm incredible value and worth, but there's a disconnect in who God says I am and in what he's called me to do. Because it certainly doesn't feel tov mayod for me all the time as I set out to do that which I'm called to do. And here today, I want to talk about what is it that God calls us to do? What's our relationship with creation? Right, last week, we talked about what's our relationship with God. This week, let's think about what's our relationship with creation. And we will see that we are called to rule. All right? We're going to look at that call to rule. We're going to look at a challenge to that call to rule. And then we're going to see the source, uh, or, or in, in other words, the power that we need to rule. So if, let me pray. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord. Oh boy, I thank you, Lord, that um, I'm not up here thinking my own thoughts. And I'm up here uh, with a lot of people praying for me. I know that I've been prayed for by name by the leaders of this church over this retreat and by my friends at work. They're praying for me. And, and even today, people are out there praying as I'm talking. And I pray, Lord, that these are not my words, but that they would be your words to our hearts and to give us uh, encouragement in very hard places that we need to hear that you are with us as we live out our calling to rule. It's in your son's name we pray, amen. Okay, so let's look at this, this, this calling that we all have, I believe, from this passage. It's the call to rule. Where do we see that? Okay, look at your text. Verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. This word for dominion is also a word for rule. In fact, the NIV translate, translates it as let the man rule, let men and women rule. In other words, this means that we are to rep him. We are to be God's representatives. We are to reflect, we are to mirror God on the earth. All right, we're to show him off. We are to be about those things that God is about. People, we, we're like little lords, we are doing that which God has done. So what does it look like for us to rule, to have dominion in this way? I think our text gives us three broad ways that this can look. The first is in verse 28. 
It says there, be fruitful and multiply. So what's that mean? I believe it's a call to community, to build a community or to be part of a community. Um, A guy named Christopher Watkin in his book, Thinking Through Creation, says this. The command to fill the earth means God has built relationality and interdependence into the heart of his plan for human beings. Adam and Eve, they could not fill this mandate as self-defined and selfish beings. They must make sacrifices to bring up a family. Now, this most definitely is a call to family. And to say that, I'm saying that our having kids is not just great because they're so wonderful and not just great because they're so stinking hard, right? But it's a defiant putting my flag in the ground, putting my flag in the that we are raising up a family in the nurture and admonition of the Lord to have them know they are tov me'od, that they are fearfully and wonderfully made, that they can confess God as their creator, not just confess God as their savior, but yes, to raise them up knowing that they need a savior in Jesus. Yeah, it's a call to family, but it's more than that. It's way more than a biological family. It's a community, it's a call to community. How do I know that? Because uh, there are many in scripture who don't have families biologically, right? Jesus didn't have kids. He wasn't married. It's not everyone can have kids, Right? So this is a call to much more than just biological family. This is a call to community, right? Adoption, fostering, uh, discipleship, mentoring, friendship, living in community, your community groups. It's a call to community. Be fruitful and multiply. Get out there, meet people, be, become part of their lives. Let them be part of your life. We are called by God to be fruitful and multiply. In what way or ways do you find yourself to be in this? It's something to consider today. Okay, threefold, I said. What does this uh, call to rule look like? Second, verse 28. It says there, fill the earth and subdue it. As I mentioned earlier, God, I think, has called us to uh, be little lords to mirror him, to reflect him. And what has he been about in this chapter? He's been about creating. He's created forms, right? He created the light, the sky, the water, the land with its vegetation. And then he's been about filling those forms, right? So um, he creates the forms, then he fills the forms with the sun, the moon, and oh yeah, the stars. Oh boy, that's pretty cool. And he's then put creatures in the seas. He's put creatures on the land. And now he puts people into that that form, that space, that realm, right? So what's God been about? He's been about creating and filling. What are we to be about? Ruling the land, subduing. We're to be about creating. We're to be about filling, to, to go to where God went and keep it going, to not just preserve what God has started, but to add to it, to fill it up, right? So if you want to think about what does it look like to do God's work, the options are plentiful, right? Teachers, that's a hard job. I was a teacher for five years in a high school. That's a hard job. Let me just say two words. Classroom management, 
Yikes, right? And to think about how can you go about communicating something profound in a way that keeps attention when dealing with that dude over there, right? And then saying, oh, I was wrong to deal with that dude over there in that way. All right, I had to, that was me, okay. That was, um, doctors, right? Why did you get into medicine in the first place? Well, you certainly probably didn't get into it to deal with hospital administration and the problems that come with that. But remember, you are there to care because God's called you to care. What about technology? I think about my phone here, and it's amazing to think back when we didn't have those things. My first cell phone, I didn't have it until I was out of college. But now, um, to think about what's it going to look like in 20 years from now, wow. Scary, but kind of wow. That's good. That's God's work. Arts, shout out to Quincy Owens. Shout out to Kyle Ragsdale. Those guys are men working for God, right? A beautiful idea is that God calls us to build for the kingdom. God doesn't call us to build the kingdom, right? We come alongside of God what he's at. Athletics, who would have thought bigger, faster, stronger is a godly calling? <laughs> That's cool, right? That's God's work. That's part of filling, taking, creation, it, moving it forward. Dune 2, That's going to be awesome. I'm excited to see Dune 2. And I think, you know, I don't I haven't seen it yet, but that's, I can see God in that movie. I'm hopeful to see God in that movie, right? Is it surprising to you that these things are God's work? To build a beautiful building is just as significant and high of a calling as being a pastor, right? So as we think about ruling and subduing the earth to be fillers of the earth, there's lots of opportunity. So what does it look like to rule three forms in general? Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And and then thirdly, to have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds. This is verse 28. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So what what is this? I, I think it's more than owning a dog and it certainly has nothing to do with cats. That's right. (laughs) <laughs> we'll talk after, all right? Um, you know, ruling and subduing is not just about creating, being fillers, it's also about caring for creation. One of my good buddies, a former pastor at Redeemer, I'm a former pastor at Redeemer, his name is Jamie McGregor. So I reached out to Jamie this week, I said, Jamie, I'm preaching on this passage, you got anything for me on creation care? And boy, did he. I mean, I could have, we could give like many, many, many sermons about this. But I, he sent me a, a website from the Evangelical Environmental Network. Creation care is this. It means caring for all of God's creation by stopping and preventing activities that are harmful, such as air and water pollution, species extinction, and participating in activities that further Christ's reconciliation for all of creation of God. I, I think that, I mean, this could be controversial, maybe. And I think reduce, reuse, recycle is a, is a valid Christian message. Um, so creation care is part of our uh, ruling and subduing the earth. And oh yeah, and one more thing. I think in our text, I think that this, this story is a call to unencumbered rule. Where do I get that? Look at the text. Um, verse 29, really quick. And God said, behold, I've given you every plant 
yielding seed uh, that is on the face of and every tree with its seed in the fruit. You shall have them for food into every beast, bird, and creeping thing on the earth, and everything that has breath of I've given every green plant unencumbered rule. Like we have everything we need to rule in such a way as God is calling us to rule. I think that's what the text is saying. But that leads me to my second point, okay? First point is really long. Second point's not so long. Second point is this, there's a challenge to this rule. And uh, it's, it's in the text, uh, not so much. You don't really see it in the text, but as we read the text, I can feel it. Can you feel it? Um, unencumbered rule? Well, we can only imagine having everything we need. Um, back orders do exist, all right? Creation care sounds great. I was getting some amens out there just a second ago. Sounds really great, but it seems like a drop in the bucket to what needs to happen. Climate change is real, right? Have you seen how many plastic bottles are in the ocean? Even creation itself, according to Romans 8, groans. Fill the earth and subdue it. We are called to uh, rule over creation as little lords with many, many beautiful and wonderful things to be fillers of the world. But in the end, do those things really pay the bills? I mean, a lot of us feel like we're just kind of doing the thing maybe that we're really good at doing, but we're stuck in a job that just pays the bills, right? And we forget why and why it is we're doing what we do. We are called to have dominion over creation, but what we end up seeing is that we dominate over creation. There is scarcity. There is corruption. There is injustice. And before you know it, we find ourselves in an ocean of apathy. I'm not going to fill this creation. I mean, it's going to be how it is, right? And be fruitful and multiply. If only, if only community wasn't so hard, right? Don't they notice? I mean, I've seen, or maybe, I hope they don't notice me. That's community, right, for me sometimes. <laughs> don't these people know what they're doing? Or don't, please don't see what I'm doing. That's, community's hard, right? Be fruitful and multiply. Investing in others, it's, it seems really fruitless sometimes. Didn't we talk about these things? And it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, hours and hours we talk, but it doesn't seem so fruitful. Be fruitful and multiply is, is hard. If only multiplication didn't seem like division, right? Adoption is really hard. The foster system is messed up. Infertility, if only it wasn't real. If only we could get to a place as a couple to decide if we should have kids. I mean, I want to, but they don't. If only there was someone for me. If only I didn't feel so alone. Be fruitful and multiply. It's, as we read the text, the challenge to rule isn't specifically there, but did you feel it? It's there as we read the text. It's the challenge to rule is there because of sin. Sin has us turn everything all around. We go from refl- to, to reflecting God's image 
to turning that mirror all the way around and reflecting our own image or reflecting creation instead of God. It gets all wacky. It gets all turned around. It's sin that causes us to forget that we are tov me'od. You are tov me'od. Don't forget that. Right? You are creating God's image. I know that's weird, but I'm trying to put that in your head. Have you remember it 20 years from now? All right? God has created you in his image. You are so special and unique. And he's called us to rule in a very wonderful way. But there's a challenge to doing that. So how are we to rule? Well, let's look lastly at the power to rule. Now, I do believe that the power to rule is seen right here in the text. All right, you want to see it? Let's look at verse 28. Are you ready? God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. All right, is that what verse 28 says? Yes, but where does verse 28 start? It says this. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. The power to rule is the blessing of God. We rule correctly because we have been blessed. Right? Even better, we rule correctly because we are being and will be blessed. The power to rule is through God's blessing. And remember how I just said that sin causes us to get everything all wacky and turn around? I think that we as humans read this verse all wacky. I think we want to read this verse, be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth and, and then I'll bless you. Right? We read it as those who need to keep the commandments to receive that which is promised. But that's not the Christian message. The Christian message gives an imperative only after it gives the indicative. Say what? An imperative is a command. An indicative is something that is a declarative statement of truth. Think about this imperative, Ephesians. Oh my gosh. Awesome mic drops of imperatives. Right, where is it? There we go. Here we go. Listen to this one. An imperative command statement. Right? It's definitely a command. Paul says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. That's super awesome. But are you kidding me? Walk in a manner where, do I always? No, I, ooh, that's not looking good. And it also says this, be imitators of God as beloved children, walk in love as Christ is, okay. Husbands and wives submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Oh boy. Children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Um, uh, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. All of these are imperatives for those who find themselves as calling God Father. Those are high callings, right? But guess what? Those are in the last part of the book. That's chapter four, five, and six. Guess what happens in chapters one, two, and three? Indicative statements. Things that are true, no matter what you have to give to the situation. These are things that are true about, listen to this. God, 
being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You are his sons and daughters. You are children of God. We're going to sing a song here in a little, not right now. You don't want me leading that. Well, we're going to sing a song here at the end. It's called A Child of God. And it says in this one, uh, the second verse, I am filled with release that Christ did all for me. Think about what it looks like and what it feels like to be filled with release. To live in light of, I mean, we had some incredibly hard prayer requests today. Really hard things about life. That we're white knuckling and asking God, please bless this family in Muncie. That this woman who's going to do a funeral for her husband. People who are sick and don't know where to turn. And what does it look like to live a life full of release because of all Christ did for me? It means that it's going to be okay, even when it's not okay. Why? Because in the first part of that verse, it says this. I am last and low because I fight no longer. To be right with, to be right or good or to prove my own worth. I'm not driven or pushed or weighed down with duty. Why? Because we're filled with release for all that God, that Christ did for me. We don't do imperatives to earn blessing. We do because we have been blessed. That's the power to rule. That's the power to rule. And here's a really another cool thing about this passage. You know, God says for them to do this, to have dominion, to rule. But they get it wrong. Sin is going to happen, chapter 3. Corruption is going to happen, chapter 6. Um, they're going to be prideful people who build the Tower of Babel in chapter 11. But guess what God keeps doing to these people? He says, keeps giving them that promise. Have dominion, rule, be fruitful. He keeps saying it over and over. God keeps inviting them to do that same thing. Guess what? They fail. (laughs) Just as we do. They fail and fail and fail. But God stays faithful to giving them that calling. Why? Because he has blessed them as his people to do that. Right? But when we get to the New Testament, Jesus Christ, he is the second Adam. He comes to fulfill um, God's image in a perfect way. Paul says, the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ is the image of God. Colossians says this about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. As we would read about those who have placed their faith and trust in God, that he is their creator. As we read about those who place their faith and trust that Jesus is their savior. We see what scriptures say about those people. They are in him. They are in Christ. Jesus is the perfect image of God and in him we have union with Christ. So even when we get it wrong, which we will, we get it right in Christ. Christ is there with us when things seem pointless and fruitless and what's the idea behind all this, right? Be encouraged, right? Um, To finish, why do I have these things? Okay. Part of my job is to set the doctor up for success. 
And uh, a few weeks ago, one of our doctors had a, pr a procedure that he was gonna do at the hospital. Typically, I work in surgery centers where you can really keep an eye on these parts and know that they're gonna be okay, but you need to take them over a day ahead of time. And so I did, knowing that this uh, facility has a reputation has a reputation, and you take them over so they can be processed and sterilized. Central sterile processing is what the, this area is called. So I went over there a day ahead of time on a Wednesday for a Thursday case. I said, okay, here's my one pan. Here's my instruments. Let's, let's hope, let's get them upstairs. It's going to be great. The next day I show up all eager, and I look, and you don't know until you unopen all these the, the sterile wraps, and guess what was missing? They were missing. <laughs> Procedure is great. We end up not needing these. The doctor's awesome. But you know what? These things are gold, right? In fact, the doctors I work for, these are really, really old, but they love them. And they don't make them anymore. <laughs> I don't want to lose them. So I looked all day for an extended period of time after that case down there. I was like, hey, guys, you know, we've lost some things. And here's some pictures of them. And let's look for them. Um, didn't find them. You know, and, and in that moment, I made a decision. This hospital has a reputation. And uh, this, in some ways, is out of character for me sometimes, you know. But I was like, okay, I'm going to be positive. I'm going to be positive. You know, accidents happen. You know, I understand. Okay, and, and later on that week, Monday, the next week, I went back. Hey, how are you doing? Here, you know, you know, I'm the parts. Remember, you know, let's talk about this. You got the pictures. You got my number. Can I look around? And, you know, and everyone, there's, it's really quiet there. And everybody knows I'm there looking. And, and I'm, you know, accents. Didn't find him. <laughs> and so, you know, my coworker said, you know, you ought to go back. And I said, oh, really? What's the point? I mean, you know they're lost. I don't have a lot of confidence. And um, I think that you already see the story is <laughs> giving it away here. Um, but I go back this Wednesday of the last week. And I go in there and I actually talk to the same guy and, he said, I said, any luck? And he said, no, no luck. And he said, you know what this place is known for. He works there. <laughs> you know, we lose things here. It's really, it's, it's, it's kind of stinky, right? I said, do you mind if I look around? And you know, everybody knows who I am by then. Um, and I look around and I see these polytrials. I was like, oh my gosh, look, we've got them. And everyone who was really quiet in that place, and then we were celebrating. I was like, here we are, they're here. And everyone is like cheering and they're really quiet people back there. They're all, we love that you're smiling. You're smiling. We did it. You know, we found the parts, you know. You know, in that moment, I wasn't looking for a sermon illustration, but I think I found one. I called my buddy and I said, this is creation care at its best. You know, I didn't set out to think that God is, has me building the kingdom and looking for these pointless things, but I think that God in that moment had me building for the kingdom as a medical sales rep, right? Because, I mean, I was slapping high fives with those folks. It was so great. Um, how, how might God use you this week to build for his kingdom? And my wife, she's a professor for physician assistants, and she tells them as they go out for rotations, be ready for something awesome to happen. Right? Because even in the most mundane things of life, God will use you and the fact that you are in Christ to have you build for his kingdom. Okay? Let's pray.